drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! 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 Drink it in, man. Touch, touch, touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid. D. Troy Kool-Aid drinkers. Oh, it's tasting so good. The the Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid and Cornbread are just tasting delicious. I mean, drink it in, everybody. Drink it in, man. Side of Cornbread. Cornbread! Make it a double. Cornbread! I gotta, I gotta get the show off to that type of start because I got a lot of great things to talk about. The Lions have put two dubs in a row together. They won a road game. They're winning with defense at the end. They're playing tough. They're playing gritty. I mean, I'm excited about that, and I'm really excited because I got Logan Lamrandier, Sports Illustrated, all Lions. He comes on the show. He drops knowledge. He usually has a couple stats in his back pocket. I try my hardest to make him laugh multiple times in the show. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But he loves coming on when he can and when we can get him to talk Lions football. Logan you're a busy man, but you're back. I'm excited. Our Lions are playing good ball. Let's get into it, man. How you doing? Doing great. And uh, it's been a little bit since we last talked. I think we last talked after uh, the Commanders win. <laughs> was, That's what I'm was saying. Was that the last time? I, I Can I get you weekly <laughs> so we keep getting these dubs? <laughs> I mean, every time you come on, we get we got good ball to talk about. The team's feeling good. Now let's see if they can follow it up. Um, we, we didn't quite follow up after we did our Washington pod when you were on, but uh, two in a row looking for three, man. Lots of fun things to talk about today on the show. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely nice to come come talk. Little Lions after a win, especially a couple division games in a row. First home or first road win for Dan Campbell. So there's a lot of good milestones. And just in the fashion that the Lions did it, uh, it was a ton of fun. I, I don't think I've had, you know, that sense that those comebacks, I forgot how fun they were, you know, back in the Stafford days when the cardiac cats were around every, every week where it was always a close game and he had all those comebacks, but it was good to be on the opposite end of those comebacks for once in the last couple of years. Exactly, man. These last two felt so good based on the opponent, the way they did it. I mean, we realize it's only three in total, but but they did feel good in a whole different way, and it's always fun. So let's let's start out with this, man. Like you just mentioned it, the comeback, late win by the Lions. Like I I I felt like a division game, it's winnable, but this was a this was a had to have it type of game, you know. And and I feel like they they went in, they kind of found a way. I'm sure most people were turning off their TVs, down two scores, but they hung in there. They made a couple big plays, coming up late real big, and then holding on. Like, Talk to me a little bit about them holding on versus Green Bay, them holding on with Justin Fields with the ball in his hands pretty much to end the game, and, and he comes up short. Like, you just had to love how they finished. That's something we need to continue to see from this team. They did, and uh, I'll give the Lions defense a lot of credit and even their offense in the fourth quarter really turned it up but I did not expect things to happen how they did I was definitely thinking that the game was over when they were down 14 and Justin Fields was just running all over us and there was lapses in coverage I just didn't have a good feeling and I didn't really have confidence in the defense and even the going back to the the Packers game yeah there was Packers are missing some key guys, and Aaron Rodgers sure doesn't seem to be what he used to be, but the defense has come up big, especially uh, in the defensive secondary with the young, we can call them playmakers, I think. Kirby Joseph, who was super hot and cold over the last two weeks and definitely came back down to earth this past week, but Jeff Akuta stepping up, 
it was nice. So that defense, I, <laughs> I think you even commented on Twitter about it, how I was, I was not expecting that whatsoever from them, <laughs> the, the defense to step up like they did and for the offense to do what they did as well. It was just uh, a nice change of pace. Now, a couple things. First off, we'll start with that uh, smug quarterback that you mentioned in Green Bay. You kind of said he's not who he used to be. I think he's exactly who he's always been. You pompous, stuck-up, snot-nosed, giant twerp, scumbag. <laughs> That's who Aaron Rodgers is. The the other thing is I'm glad you brought it up, Logan, because I, I don't need we don't need to battle it out here early on the show. But yes. Usually I'm liking, I'm retweeting the Logan Lamarandier tweets, but I had an issue with what you put out because you said there's too much time left. You said <laughs> they scored too quick. You said you can't give the ball back to Justin Fields. I'm sure you felt the same about Smug. <laughs> and what happened? Both times our Lions stood up and got themselves a victory. So yeah, I took issue with you because this is the SOL thinking. This is the woe is me. This is, oh, because this happened 20 years ago, it's bound to happen again this time, right? No, this is a different team. These are new players, and it didn't happen. So yeah, I had to get after you a little bit, buddy. What do you say for Oh, uh, I know. And it has happened quite a bit in the past. And looking at the defensive talent and how the game was going, I was like, eh, with two minutes left, Justin Fields. And you know what I liked is they, they forced him to pass the ball. They contained him pretty well. They were going to – the Lions' defense pretty much said, you're going to have to beat us with your arm, and Fields couldn't do it. And that was – when Fields came out of the draft, that was always kind of the issue I didn't necessarily like about him is he was super accurate, had all the arm talent in the world, but – he just liked to hold on to the ball and didn't – and maybe it's a good thing in a way. He doesn't try to force the ball, but those tight window throws, he has to have guys wide open before he throws it to him more often than not. And he just wants to use his feet if uh, if he can't find someone running wide open. That's how it was at Ohio State, and it appears to be he's not working with as much talent on the Bears, but uh, he just he's, seems like the same player. And uh, they, the Lions defense just uh, covered well and – they got the sacks when they needed to, and that was uh, I the Dan Miller call. I think I've watched that fifty times, <laughs> like just on repeat. Uh, oh, yeah. Last night I was like, "This is this is too great." Just gave me chills. So, uh, so let me follow up with a couple of things again. Now that I beat you up a little bit, I just want to change this thinking from local Amarandier and the fan base. Next time it's a tight game. Just hope, think, and pray a little bit that we're going to get it done rather than thinking, assuming, and being worried that we're not going to get it done. Can you do that for me? I can try my best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all I can ask. Secondly, I want to give you credit because you – have consistently, I believe, been a Okuda guy. You said he was going to play good this year. You said you had high hopes. I believe he's probably exceeded all those. Am I right? He's really playing good ball. Yeah, I, my expectations for him this year were not very high coming off an Achilles. And he looks like more athletic than I've ever seen him. Um, yeah, he's and he's playing well. And even when he gets beat, it's not like he's getting burned. He's allowed some touchdowns. He's allowed catches against him. But he's always right there for the most part. It's the, the part I'd like to see develop in his game is just getting that knack to know when to turn for the ball and try to go for the ball more than playing the man. And I know that's coached up sometimes, depending on your position, to play the man. But to be a true playmaker, I think you have to take those chances and just feel comfortable enough to go after the ball when it's in the air and be confident in your ability that you're going to be able to make a play and not the receiver. But outside of that, his his tackling, his run defense, his aggressiveness, he's he's exceeded my expectations for this, for this year. Um, just taking into account where he was at previously with his injuries, but you know, when the Lions draft him, I, I've always been an Akuda guy. I always felt like he was the right pick. And it's just nice to see him finally starting to really step up. And I think he's only going to continue to get better because he's he's hardly even played considering, you know, missing all last year. And then the year before that being in the worst possible situation to be in and battling, you know, those core injuries that he was. So it's great to see from him. And I think he's going to continue to get better. I I know you've always kind of like, you know, touted the athleticism. You also seem to say, you know, hey, I'm not calling this guy a bust. Like, I think he can come back and have a pretty good year, and he's definitely done so. I, 
I, I feel like he's almost on a Slay projection right now. Like Slay kind of came in second round pick, uh, you know, not as much draft pedigree, but was kind of under the radar. Then all of a sudden he started being on the field more. Then all of a sudden he started making more plays down the road. I mean, uh, it's just, I, I just love the trajectory. And like once Slay was good every week, we walked in and felt like, man, we have ourselves a CB1, a guy that can just cover your best guy and be fine out there. And I think that's where we're getting with uh, Lions numero uno, number one, uh, Jeff Okuda as well. So um, love that. Um, you know, everybody that's out there listening, like, after we kind of finish recapping this game, I'm going to put Logan on the spot. We got to get some roster decisions, maybe what he's going to do with those draft picks. We'll get into that. We got to just get into that every time he gets on the show because see where his head's at with building this team. I, I may or may not have a rant on the second part of the show after we get our great sponsors in. We'll see how I'm feeling. Uh, I want to shout out some Kool-Aid drinkers, some great listeners of the show, and then me and Logan are going to preview that Giants game. So, um, you know, appreciate everybody that's out there listening. Now, Logan, before we close up this big, win in Chi-Town in the Windy City, I mean, I want to talk about a certain guy on our team. He even has theme music when he's creeping after quarterbacks. Oh yeah, you know who he is, Logan. It's that guy, it's the phrase that I deemed with the poster and the jersey on week one. Unleash Hutch. <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. Like, what about this guy continuing to make plays, great instincts, getting after the guy on the goal line and slinging him to the ground. That was another great play. That was as fun to watch as, you, like you said, Dan Miller standing up, pointing, yelling, <laughs> throwing his fists in the air. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson really seems to be coming into his own. I feel like he's a vet presence when he speaks. I like this guy a lot on so many levels, and people just need to hang in there. I mean, this crazy overreaction theater about, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. He's a bust. He's the great. I mean, he's just really coming into his own as a nice rush player and a guy with great instincts and a, a really good football player for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and anytime you're a top three pick like Okuda was or Hutchinson being a top two, I think expectations are always so high that it's really difficult to to ever reach those expectations. But Hutchinson has pretty much been what I thought he'd be. I, you can see some rookie growing pains in there, but he's learning. But just the, the interception that Akuda got, Hutchinson was a big reason why Fields just tossed that ball up there. And I, right. I could not believe just the instincts that Hutchinson had. Here he had a free run to go after, after Fields, and he just felt that tight end kind of give up too easily and he knew something was up and he kind of dropped back into the flat and caused fields to to hold on to the ball and then try to float it over Hutchinson and gave it to Akuda. So there's just little plays like that where even though he's not necessarily always in the play, I think he's still impacting the game. And then you have the splash plays from him, like taking down, you know, that whatever that goal line play was, I don't know what that move would be called where he just flipped Montgomery on his back. Like that was, um, that was impressive. And just to come from the other side of the line to get there, his, his athleticism uh, and like the short area stuff really pops off the screen. And then that fourth or the, it wasn't a fourth, I think it was second down sack uh, on the last drive. I mean, that was huge. That's when you need your big playmakers set up to step up. And he did that. So I, I think he's right on par with where you want him to be. Yes. It'd be nice if he was, better already but he's a rookie and you can't I don't think you can always expect a rookie to come in and just light the world on fire so I've, I've been happy with where he's at and again should get better can you hope he continues to get better but I've, I've been happy with him exactly man you hit on basically everything i want to hit on and yes kool-aid drinkers i did debut it's the same bit it's me yelling unleash hutch but i i, I totally tweaked the audio and i think it's way cooler and way better unleash <laughs> that just sounds like what it should be when you're just gobbling up quarterbacks. But I, the the one thing that you uh, you hit on all the things I'd want to hit on with Hutch. But um, if you go back and cut the tape on, like there were times they had him just sort of spying, dropping back, you know, things like that. But when he really gets his rush, I mean, he's shown power rushes, he's shown spin moves, he's shown speed around the edge, he's found an ability to hustle down um, sacks, and like you said the 
people are taking for granted, I think, these instincts. The pick that he made against the Packers and Smug was a very, you know, kind of high-level play. I don't, don't tell me about the throw was, you know, the only thing. Like, this guy dropped, uh, you know, where he needed to be, and the, the ball found him. That's not a mistake. Like, he did it on the screenplay to get Mr. Okuda to pick and helped him get to the end zone. Like, he, he came up big in the biggest moments, as you said, and I think that's really important. So just looking over these stats, man, I mean, gosh, swag continues to be just so consistent, like 60, 70 yards probably on average, getting in the end zone a ton. A-R-S-B, or he's also known as Amon Ra, <laughs> or St. Breezy taking down people in the Windy City. I mean, 10 catches, 119 yards. He's so consistent. He's so smooth and so grimy, so physical. Love that player as well. But I just want to give a little shout-out to our quarterback, JG16, Jared Goff. I felt that he made some big throws. I felt like he came up big. Pretty much after the first quarter, he was making the type of plays you need to make. And yeah, we know the interception got wrote off the screen, but I'm going to give it to Goff. I'm going to give it to Chops' favorite quarterback because I feel like he played pretty well and he helped them win this game late with a couple big throws. What do you think? He did. And yeah, he uh, that Tom Kennedy throw uh, was a great throw that I think it was a 44-yard gain on a third and eight when the Lions needed it and Goff put it on the money and he did. He made a lot of really nice throws and it's not like he was working with anything. He has a Monroe St. Brown and then who else behind that? It's, it's Swift's not playing all that much. Um, TJ Hawkinson's gone. He, again, he's not working with all these great receivers or anything. He's, he's making it work. So I know I'm still not, a believer that Goff is the long-term solution. I think he's a serviceable quarterback that in the right situation can win you a lot of games, but for, I do have to give him some credit that when the game is on his shoulders, I don't always have faith in him, but he uh, definitely proved me wrong last week where I, I do feel like the game kind of fell more on his shoulders and he stepped up to the plate and did a great job and made some great throws. So yeah, give props to him. That's why I'm bringing it up, man, because if we're going to beat him up or if we're going to say he's not the guy, draft someone, as I continue to say on this show, I'm going to tout too when he makes a couple big plays that help us get A.W. And I feel like he did that um, great point by you about him having very marginal weapons on the outside and still, hey, if you're open and if it's on time, he'll get it to you. Um, uh, getting the ball a little bit farther down the field on some of these slants, seam routes, whatever you want to call them was important. And the throw to Kennedy was a spiral. <laughs> it was a tight spiral. It had some zippity doo on. I mean, that that was that was one for Jared Goff's portfolio because usually that ball is coming out quacking uh, out of his hand. But I thought it was incredible. So Logan, I mean, stacking wins is important for this team. Road win was important. Divisional win was important. Dan Campbell playing pretty decent. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, making uh, game time decisions, knowing when to kick, knowing when to go. Um, I, I think there's a lot of positive you can take out from both of these football games, but they just have to keep it rolling because you can't win every game in the NFL, but you definitely need to stack and win games and be in games that you should be in. And I feel like they're, they're starting to get there with this young talent. And I feel like it's only going to get better as people come back and as they continue to add to this roster. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think wins are important for a young team. They're important for Campbell, and I know there's always the debate of draft position, but we are starting to get that that phase of Campbell's coaching career where he needs to start winning some games. Otherwise, I, I'm even though he's a culture coach, you just start to worry about the confidence level of these younger players. So I, I think this is great for them to pull out these type of wins, and especially with the young guys stepping up, it's just a great confidence boost. And it's tough to quantify this type of stuff, how much it actually matters, but I, I feel like it does matter uh, to where the Lions are at right now that they need to get some wins. And they're kind of right on, at least for my expectations at the beginning of the year, they're kind of right back on track to where they need to be. Um, you know, have improvement and get better. Yeah, you might not make the playoffs, but I, that's not what I was thinking this year. I, I still think they need to add some talent. Uh, they have plenty of draft capital coming up and 
these younger guys will continue to get better and hopefully the Lions make some cuts maybe and uh, open up some cap space and make some more moves in free agency to really put the expectations quite a bit higher going into next year. Speaking of cuts, speaking of cap space and draft picks, let's uh let's put Logan Lamrandier under the old um hot light here. Let's let's uh let's get you making some decisions, kind of giving your hot takes, giving your opinions on some of these uh decisions and things the Lions will have to do. So, Logan, there's nowhere else to start than the guy that you just, I mean, cannot stand. The guy that you've you've badmouthed continually on this show. I don't know why. His name is DeAndre Swift. <laughs> like, this guy's playing about four and a half snaps a game, it feels like. He's being babied due to who knows what, a, a shoulder strain or a, a an ankle bump, whatever he has. Like, are, are you done with this guy? Are you keeping him? Are you going to pay him? Do you feel like you don't understand why he's not being used? Do you feel like it's okay that he's in a marginal role? Where are you at with number 32? Yeah, I think we kind of know what he is. It's just uh, he's an electric player when healthy, but that's the big question mark on him, when healthy. And even when he is playing, at least recently, it's is still not given a full workload just because he's battling injuries. So, I mean, I think he only costs, he's close to $3 million next year. Um, I don't think it's worth cutting him or trying to move on from him or anything like that. I just think you have to know going into it that he's not going to be reliable to be an every down type of back. And uh, he has that skill set where he can kind of be a third down back and use him uh, out in space when he can. But I, I do think the Lions need to invest in a running back. And I'm not really big on giving handing out, uh, you know, second contracts to running backs because they have such a short shelf life. So uh, I'm totally fine with keeping them next year, but I wouldn't be trying to extend them unless he's willing to take uh, probably, I, I imagine there's some team out there that feels like they're uh, an electric running back away and would probably pay Swift more than the lions might be willing to, but, I'm I'm more than fine and content with just playing out his contract and kind of seeing where he goes from there and continuing to add to the running back room because Jamal Williams will also be a free agent next year uh, and and he's a nice reliable back but I think you can probably find those type of backs at a little cheaper of a price or maybe a little bit later in the draft and yeah it's just running back with this offensive line I think there's a lot of running backs that could find success behind this offensive line. All right, everybody, you heard it here first. Logan never liked him, never has, wants him out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are with you right there. I think the counterpoint real quick would be that, you know, Dan Campbell always says, like, when and if they can give him, they want to give him a lot of touches and use this guy. I think he's proven that he can be very productive. So I think they have that in the back of their head of that you, you hate to see those type of guys walk out the door. Um, you're just kind of hoping maybe it's, you know, a uh, couple years here where he's had some struggles and maybe the back half of his career, whether it be another three, four, five years, whatever it may be of his prime years, that he could really be a, a great player either for this team or, or somewhere else. So you got to make that decision. So let's, um, gosh, I got a, I got a few more here. So let's kind of rumble through these. We've got, um, are, are you bringing Hal Vitae back next year? Or do you think you want to save that money by letting him go with the back issues and things he's got going on? No, I, his cap hits north of 12 million next year. And for an offensive guard, you should be an elite offensive guard. Right. Um, I know they keep restructuring his contract kind of because they have to create cap space, but I'm not a big fan of that, but I understand it needed to happen. So his dead cap next year will be almost 6 million. So you're only going to save a little over $6 million by cutting him. But I still think you can find, you know, a, a guy like Evan Brown who has stepped in and done a fine job. Uh, by tie to me just needs at his price point I you need more out of him and I'm just not there with him so I'd be fine saving some money and uh, trying to find a cheaper alternative or going younger at the position especially when you're that right guard spot surrounded by you know Frank Ragnow Penny Sewell like you're going to be all right even with just an average player and you might not notice much difference between by tie and another player that they have fill in for him. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I uh, 
I also think you have a back surgery. You know, people think he's going to get plugged back in and he's going to be some dominant force. Like, I'm with you. We can definitely get through other ways, um, especially when it comes to the dollars that make sense type of uh, approach to it as well. Logan, you th- you think Levi's ever going to you can suit up or do anything for this team? Where you at with this guy? <laughs> I have no idea. The the injuries are are frustrating, and I, he wasn't even technically totally healthy last year when he was playing. Hopefully, whatever surgery he had can correct and fix whatever ailment he was battling. But um, you know, even when the Lions drafted him, he wasn't a guy I was super high on. Um, so I, yeah, my expectations are semi-low for him and anything he does, I guess in the future years would just be gravy, but the lions really need defensive tackle help. Um, it'd be great if he could come in next year and, and do something, but I'm just not, uh, gonna, you know, build a roster thinking that he's going to be able to stay healthy either, or be a, a dominant force or anything like that. I think the defensive tackle position does definitely need to be upgraded in the off season. So real quick follow-up, are you, is this a guy you'd cut bay down early and draft another DT or are you just going to ride it out? And if he gives you something great, if he doesn't, it's just one of those you totally missed on. No, I mean, I write out the contract. He's on the, the rookie contract, a little over $2 million next year. So I, I think it's more than worth the risk to, to hold on to him and see what he can do and see if he can stay healthy because we haven't really seen him when he is completely healthy and he does have a great, good quickness off the ball. And I think this year, this scheme was going to be better for him. That's why it is kind of disappointing because it is more of a gap shooting scheme. And that's what Onzerike was in college. That's what he was best at. So um, there's guys like uh, Pascal who I think could probably maybe gain a few pounds and play a little bit more on the inside, but um I definitely want to just keep Levi around and see what he can do before just cutting him <laughs> just because he's been injured. I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Like I, people get crazy where they're just get rid of this guy. Like, you know, he just can't play. It's kind of like, well, I mean, barely makes any money and it just makes sense to kind of, uh, to ride it and see what you get type of thing. And he maybe he'll surprise us like Okuda and company. So, um, a, a couple quick other ones, like, like you've said that you're willing to just sort of move on from golf. Like where are you at now with that plan? Is that this coming year? Is that, uh, he's shown you enough where you can kind of, you're just going to slow play that. What do you think? Oh, it depends. If they draft a the quarterback, I mean, you could save $20 million by cutting Goff next year, and that's a lot of money. And his cap hits $30 million next year. And I just don't – I think he's a fine quarterback, but I don't think he necessarily deserves that type of money. So if you could free up $20 million and insert a rookie quarterback, with that $20 million, I mean, you could really upgrade uh, different parts of the roster – almost instantly through free agency with that kind of cash. So it it's a tough situation. It's kind of, I feel like it's almost wait and see, but just looking at Goff's cap hit much like by it's like, yeah, he's a fine player, but the quarterback position is so important and to be paying him $30 million. That's, that's a tough pill to swallow for me. Everyone's waiting on Romeo Aquara. Like you just paid this guy, but there is kind of an out. Like, are you still high on him? Do you think that it might be a money decision or is this guy just like, man, I can't wait till he gets back and he's going to be well worth it uh, coming off this Achilles that he's got. That's taking a little bit longer than any of us would hope. Yeah, I know. He's a weird situation. Um, Just because the Lions gave him this contract extension and I believe it was a three-year deal and he's basically been injured for the, the first two years. So I don't know where he's at and some guys don't always bounce back from Achilles and I feel like you'd fit fit the scheme well um and but he is again it was he's been so hot and cold who knows what type of player he's gonna be when he comes back it's just the way the Lions scheduled or uh structured that contract they they added that like boy year in the fourth year so he still costs um or still be, have like $7 million worth of dead cap next year, but his cap hits over 14. So you'd save 7 million. And again, for someone who hasn't really produced at all the last couple of years, um, I would be more inclined to probably 
release him, save seven million dollars, and try to go young because he is he's getting up there in age. Uh, not old, you know, late twenties, but uh, I just feel like again, the Lions could probably use that seven million dollars they're saving elsewhere to try to improve and maybe even draft another defensive end uh, that can help Hutchinson, you know, more of a true pass rusher than uh, than uh, Pascal is. And Julian Aquara, he's, he's been playing well in his pass rush uh, scenarios, so maybe give him more of a shot too. I'm hoping he comes back, but it was interesting to me where somebody was like, hey, maybe you just reallocate that money to somebody else if he's not uh, – Fully healthy and fully motivated, so I, I'm hoping he comes back and plays good ball. Two other real quick ones. As good as swag, uh, Jamal Williams has been this year. Touchdowns, his mentality, his leader, all the stuff. Like, Is this a guy that you bring back, uh, or are you just going to say thanks for your service and, and let him head off to another squad next year? It all depends on his price. I mean, he, he's a fine player, um, super dependable. You know, it's just uh, – that running back position, I don't, I don't think you need to spend all that much money on it. And he's making over $4 million this year. If he wants to continue that, maybe sign like a one-year deal for around that price. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that, but I would prefer to try to find a running back in the middle rounds, maybe the future, future running back, you know, with, with Swift also coming up on a contract year after next year to kind of try to find the guy for the future. And uh, if you draft a running back, you know, say in the mid rounds, uh, you're going to want him to play right away because that's running backs usually can come in right, right away and play. There's not a big learning curve there. So it's just tough because he is so dependable and he's been scoring a lot of touchdowns this year. But I, I would like someone maybe a little bit more explosive that can, you know, get the longer runs and do a little bit more, you know, in the open space like Swift can, but if someone who can stay healthy. This is one of those where, like, everyone likes him personally, like, he's played right. well, it's, you know, it's all got all those reasons why most of the fan base is going to just want to keep him, and okay, we'll even give him a little more than maybe he's, it's like, you do have to be shrewd and be smart here, so I would think he's probably moving on, but it's one of those kind of tough decisions. Logan, the big question of the day, we don't have a 20-minute segment, unfortunately, to really get into this, but before we take our commercial break, man, if you had to make it right now, are you sitting at like 8 and 12 or 7 and 11 or whatever our picks are right now? Thank you, Rams. Or are you taking both those picks, package them, and going to get your quarterback? Are you going to get Will Anderson? Like, I think I know what your answer is, but... If you had to make it today, what what's your approach? Aggressive? Or are you sitting back and just taking the two first rounders and, and loving what you get? I'm still sitting back. I think the Lions still need a lot of talent. If there's a quarterback that they actually love who's just a little bit out of their grasp, then, yeah, try to trade up. But uh, I just – to me, I would really like the Lions to use both their first-round draft picks, get two, you know, really good players – uh, with that rookie contract and you know if you have to sit with golf for one more year it, I could do it and then really just spend go all in in 2024 on getting a quarterback for the future because that young talent should be there uh, they should be developing they're going to have cap space uh, golf dead cap after next year is even less so um, I, I don't think, again, I, I know some fans don't want to hear it, but uh, if Goff has to be the quarterback again next year, so be it. At least you're adding talent. And when the Lions do get aggressive and maybe have to trade up to draft the quarterback, at least all the pieces are going to be in place to have that five-year window, that rookie contract of a quarterback, and really just go all in from there. I had a feeling you were going to say that. A feeling you were going to lay that out exactly how you did. <laughs> and I admit it's pretty much the the more practical approach. But as I've been tweeting out some of these, you know, let's stop being – let's get aggressive. Let's – if the guy's there and you can take these and get the guy you need at the quarterback position or a game-changing elite defensive end, like – 
I, I'm considering it. So, I mean, I love me some draft picks, but you could use those and get the premier of the premier. You, you might want to consider it rather than playing it safe all day. All right, Logan, imagine this. Um, we went a little bit long. <laughs> the first um that was a good like 30 usual. minutes buddy and like it felt like about five so as we always say we could do this all day every day so i think we need to get uh great sponsors here of the kool-aid cast in and then we'll just uh come back on the back half and and kind of get after it i i may still rant and rave and 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 hype up some people but we'll get into this giants game and then uh get your big prediction and get up out of here how about that i like it Everybody, we'll be serving up Kool-Aid right after the break. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody. This goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You can put franchise tags on guys. Uh, It's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Kool-Aid drinkers are back. Normally, this is where I go on and on. Thank you so much. But we got too much to get into on the back half of the show. And me and Logan like talk football. And this is going to turn out to be a two-hour show if we're not careful. So uh, let me do this. Let me, Logan, let me get this off my chest real quick. Some of you on follow me on Twitter, at Derek Oakry. Of course, thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands follow L. Lamarandir out there. Good old Logan Lamarandir from Sports Illustrated All Lions. But some of you may have seen... So some of you might have seen on my Twitter that I, I got a little rant in me, and it's about Jameson Williams, and it's about all the fan base out there. You guys are so scared to play this guy. You want to put him in bubble wrap. You want to hold him out till next year. You want to talk about the f- turf at Ford Field. You want to say he needs to practice for a month and a half before he plays. My take, the fun take, the aggressive take, is if he's pretty much healthy, if the doctors say he's pretty much good and he can get out there, he feels like he can play, get him a week of practice. If he's rolling, he looks good, play him. I know he's a long-term investment. I know this guy is going to be a ball player. I know we don't want him to get hurt again. But you could get hurt anytime, any day, all day, any day, or... He could come out, take the top off the defense, be a baller, and help us get W's right now. <sighs> Logan, I could go for 10 more minutes about this. Am I crazy? Are you just, I mean, you play a lot of stuff safe, but then you also play the other half. Are you with me on this? That, like, we can't baby this guy too much longer? Or are you just like, JMO, tell me in three months when you're ready, and then I'll consider playing you. Where are you at with this? I got to calm down. It's wherever... Whenever he's ready. So I, you do have to look at the long-term future uh, with this pick. I think that's always 
always was the plan is to make sure that he's fully ready to go before they, you know, have him actually suit up and get out there. So it's, to me, if it wouldn't be the end of the world if he doesn't play this year, but I would like to at least <sighs> see him. I think it would be good for him to get some playing time. If his knee is good to go, then I think he, he should be playing, but it, it all comes down to the medicals and where he's at. Uh, it sure seems like he was, you know, he's obviously been running and doing all that type of stuff. He's, he's got to be getting close, but uh, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what the doctors think. Well, real quick though, this was my beef with Arthur. He was saying too, when he's healthy, then you play him. I'm not saying if his knee feels shaky and the doctors are like, absolutely not that you just recklessly throw this guy out there. But this guy thought he was going to be ready by camp. Then we saw him running like five, six plus weeks ago, running hard stop routes. Then we saw him like doing other things under the sun. Like, uh, I mean, my whole point is that we see a lot of players come back from that type of ACL in this time frame. We see a lot of people get back and sort of go through the process, whether it be a week or two of practice. Hey, you're designated to return. You look good. Roll him out. I'm just saying this over precaution, this scared mentality, this ability to be like, well, until he's like 150% and he practices for four weeks and we think his legs are built up and we, we are just totally 100% set, then we'll put him out there. And what happens if he went out there then and got hurt? That's a whole bunch of wasted time, right? So it's like, isn't there a little bit of a middle ground where like you can say when he's healthy, but when he's pretty much healthy, let's, let's go. Let's not wait another extra long time after that. I feel like we've already extended this a little bit far out compared to what I thought. So I don't know. I think it's a a scared mentality. It's a cautious approach. It's a, it's not a realistic approach of saying, man, he could be as healthy as could be. You could wait till next year in the first play of the season, he could go down, right? So if we need him and we got no yeah, receivers no, and this gets baller, possible. consider it now. Thanksgiving sounds good to me. I think, <laughs> I think the, yeah, yeah. The, the tough part was definitely when he was running in the summer and I think he got a lot of people's hopes up that he was going to have this miraculous six month recovery. And that's just not usually what it is. It, it is an ACL tear. And it takes time. And I, I think it was always the understanding that it would be a while. But when he went out there and started talking about how he wants to be ready week one, I think it just got a lot of fans' hopes up and kind of <laughs> up the timeline. And when fans were thinking he would be ready to go. But um, I, I have no issue with not not holding him out the whole season, but, you know, playing it a little cautious with him because, yeah, I mean, the Lions, they are what they are right now. And they don't, they're not trying to make a playoff push, even though they're only, what, like two games out of the playoffs. <laughs> um, I, I joked, he's, though. He's going to be a big piece for them next year. We got to keep this rolling and you got to get out of here shortly. But like I joked, if we win against the Giants, <laughs> then you ramp it up. And what I meant was that's three in a row. Then you've got a big showdown against the Bills. Of course, like it would be crazy if he hasn't practiced to think he could play Thanksgiving. But if he practiced here in the next few days and then he practiced all that next week, you know, there. I mean, we're, you're talking about early in the season. We're at week 10, 11 now. Like, I mean, that's that's a long time. That's 11 plus extra weeks compared to what some people were sort of hoping for. So, I mean, it's it's a pipe dream and I was kind of having fun with it. But then I got all fired up, as you can tell, because legions of people started coming at. I'm still getting the tweets and look at my Twitter now. You don't push him back for anything. When he's healthy, he's healthy. Like, we all know that's the standard response. We all know that's the safe approach. We all know that's what scared people would say. I'm saying he's a ball player. If he feels good, the doctors say he feels pretty good. And Dan Campbell's like, man, I'd love to see that guy on the field. And Jared Goff said, I would have loved to have him a long time ago. Uh, let's play him, you know, sooner than later. So, all right, I'm done, man. We could, we could do that all day. Real quick, before we get into the Giants, I just want to shout out Kyle Dahmer, Natalie Sparbeck, and Megan Stefanski. Those are three diehard Lions fans that have got at me this week and said, we're going to be in NYC. We're trying to get to this ball game. We're going to be tailgating. We're going to be repping our Lions. You guys know we roll deep, the one pride. We're always out and about repping our team. So I thought it was incredible that those folks are all making road trips and hundreds and thousands of more Lions fans that will be in MetLife getting, trying to get this third W against the Giants. So I just want to give them some quick shout 
shout out to all the normal folks on the Kool-Aid hotline, 989-272-3484, have been getting after it. And and I know we're going long, but this guy did uh, drop a quick voicemail before we got going. So, Logan, can we get Chops in here, see what he's got to say for the people? <laughs> What's Chops got this week? takes on that i mean for what you could pull out from the micro machine speed take and uh his jared goff love that he fit in there no i mean he was pumped up i i like it i mean <laughs> i need more of that enthusiasm i think <laughs> that's what he does me and him get on here and go crazy i try to pull it out of you buddy but uh you're just way too tactful here on the show but uh i had to get that in chops uh he tried to entertain he brought it but uh sound quality as well as his take uh too fast too crazy but i liked it enough to put it on the show logan what are we gonna say about this giants game man i mean saquon barkley i mean you got danny dimes probably gonna throw us the football two to three times in this ball game i mean does swift show up big or does he get two carries this game i think this is winnable i think this is really really winnable against a team that's way overrated their record's crazy they're a fugazi team if you ask me there's no reason we can't go in their house and punch them in the mouth i mean give me a couple keys tell me what you're looking for because I think this is a game the Lions going to be licking their chops trying to go get a third one. Yeah, I know. They just keep – the Giants just keep winning. They're 7-2 and two, looking at their roster. I mean, they have they have some good players, but it's nothing nothing crazy. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley is back to his old ways, which has really helped them out. And the receiving core right now is like Darius Slayton and uh, Wondell Robinson, Kenny Galladay keep getting – bench despite trading away Kadarius Tony and players getting injured so it's just it's it's wild to me where they're at I, I feel like it's a winnable game and the record might be a little misleading but anytime you're seven and two in the NFL I mean there's a reason for it so you probably have to give them a little bit more credit than I am but I, I do feel like it's a winnable game and the, for the Lions it's just again playing to their strengths if they can get a running game going which we haven't Oddly enough to say, we haven't really seen a super powerful rushing attack the last few weeks. Uh, and the offensive line, despite being the strength of the team, has struggled a little bit. Um, so, yeah, just get that running game going. The defense can, can t- continue to make stops and get some turnovers. I, I think the Lions definitely have a good shot to win, but it, it's going to be tough. And it's it's not at home, so you're going to have to play uh, against the – the opponent's twelfth uh, man, I guess you can say, but it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game, and I, I think it'll be very close. I I think Frank Ragnow is big. How he's still got these toe foot injuries that's really starting to worry me. It keeps popping up. He's in boots. He's playing, but he doesn't seem as good as we're paying him to be as the top paid center nowadays. I think the weather could come into play. I mean, gosh, I went to work today and it was perfectly fine out. I came out and it was a blizzard uh, where I'm at. I mean, it's just craziness what's going on with uh, weather. I heard this weekend two feet of snow in Buffalo or something crazy. So who who knows what the weather might be like. I would say come off the bus physical, try to beat this team up, try to just uh, don't let them pull any Brian Dable gadget plays or find a way to win and and just run the football and make a couple plays and try to score a little bit more points than them but I feel like if they can find a way to win this one which again I think is very very winnable um I think that would be real progress you know uh, beating the Packers was great going on the road to beat psh, 
Chicago and uh, Justin Fields, everyone's new favorite quarterback who can't win. Um, and he can't throw, by the way, um, you know, was great as well. But going on the road two times, two times in a row and getting a double victory three in a row before you come back for Turkey Day to me would be real big time progress and something to get behind. So, Logan. I'll give you the floor for score prediction and how it's going down, and then I'll do what I do, which is close out the show. All right. Well, I'll give you guys some Kool-Aid. So the Lions are on a hot streak, and I know the Giants are good, but I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling good. So I'll go with the Lions 27 and the Giants 24. Drink it in, man. Cornbread! Cornbread! <laughs> Love it. Logan, I've got... The Lions, 24. The Giants, 2. (laughs) 1. I see this as a field goal game, but what I really see it as is a late turnover to that Lions defense from Mr. Daniel Jones. He has a propensity to turn the football over, whether that be throwing it to the other team, dropping the football, I don't know. Maybe Maybe somebody creep up and get a sack fumble, maybe. Maybe that would happen. Maybe we need to unleash somebody on the Giants. Unleash Hutch. I see the Lions sneaking out with that three-point win late in the football game for another big dubski um, for the Lions. And and the mojo really flowing. People really happy before this Thanksgiving break. Big college football game that next week that we'll be watching. So it's going to be big. But Logan... Appreciate you coming on the show. We used up about every second you had today. Went way over what we thought we might. But we're talking Lions ball, man. I mean, you're you're still doing great things over at Sports Illustrated All Lions. You are putting out articles. You are coming on the pod when you have time, which is very little, which I totally understand. But uh, I totally appreciate it. I think you had some great takes, great opinions. Everyone always loves hearing when you come on the show, man. Well, always enjoy being on the show. Wish, wish we could do a weekly thing, man. It'd be a good time. Always so much to talk about. Dive deeper <laughs> into things that, you know, <laughs> I don't even know if a casual fan or you know just ordinary fans would even like to talk about. But I'd love to go more in depth and talk more if we could. But I appreciate you having me, and I always look forward to it. Thank you, Logan. Everybody, go give him a follow on Twitter. L Lamrandier. Sports Illustrated, all Lions. Uh, he will give you stats. He will talk ball with you as he has time. He will in- edumacate you. He will give you good knowledge. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. We always try to entertain you. And uh, everybody's fired up about these Detroit Lions, man. Two in a row. Um, young pups coming, starting to play. Uh, and let's see if they could do it again on the road in NYC. Come home for Thanksgiving with another W. I'll get you guys all ready for that next week. Right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Drink it in, man.